This is Lauren. This is Trey. And this is the Partnership Podcast. I'm Lauren, and I am one piece of the Partnership Podcast. I am the mother of an 11-year-old and born and raised here in the same small town in Virginia and currently working as a sexuality educator after over a decade of work in a maternal health field. I'm Trey, and I'm her partner. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about our relationship structure and the agreements that we have within our relationship. We touch on past relationships, and we discuss the difference between sacrifice and choice. Enjoy. That was hilarious. Thank you. Good job. Thanks, babe. Well done. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. How are you feeling? Good. Wired. I've had so much fucking coffee. Yeah, you got up when I did today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that your intent or were you like, oh, I'm awake? I had the, uh, like, there's nothing for you here anymore. Like, <laughs> like get out the of bed. bed. There's nothing for it's you like, you have here. shit to do. Get out of bed. Yeah, I woke up at 5.15 and couldn't go back to bed. And I was like, well, no, 5.11. Okay. And my alarm was up for 5.25 and I thought, same thing. There's nothing here for you anymore. So I got out. I was already sipping my coffee when my alarm went off. But I thought that'll be nice. I won't. I got to the gym early and just stretched a little more. Anyway, happy partnership podcast day. I'd love to talk about something that we talk about all the time. So it's going to be hard to narrow it down because this has kind of been a theme through our relationship since maybe the very, very, very beginning. And that is kind of what our relationship agreement looks like, how we have structured what could seem from the outside as a very normal, heterosexual, cisgendered, white people relationship. Um, Because you and I both did work on relationship structures, the way especially America, has done relationships for forever. You and I both grew up with very different models of marriage, of, of, again, relationship. So I'd like to talk about kind of what ours looks like, why it looks like it, how we deal with things like jealousy, how we deal with you and I having relationships with other human beings, the presence of the third, that term we use all the time, Esther Perel's words. Um, Yeah, and just how... We talk about the attraction we have to others and the attraction others to have to us inside of our relationship. Yeah. Are you up for talking about that today? Sure. Great. Yeah. The reason it came up is because on our first podcast, we mentioned our relationship agreement, which I don't think we've actually ever really talked about. We've never written anything Mm -mm. down or anything, Mm -mm. but we have some core. Yeah. So if you were to say, that's why I thought this would be fun to to toss to you. If you were to say... What, like, if you were to put into words what our relationship agreement is, what would you say? First thing that comes to mind is uh, like brutal honesty. Okay. Okay. I think we've had that one almost from the jump. Out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah, because we were uh, we were bi coastal. I mean, we were you were on the east coast, I was on the west coast when we first met. So when I came here to like visit you and basically for me to scope out the town and see like, hey, could I live my life here? We had some um, we had some brutally honest conversations, and one of the converse one of the first ones or one of my biggest reservations was um, I was pursuing at that time when I met you like non monogamy, mm-hmm. so being in like healthy like a healthy non monogamous relationship, that was like my route 
uh, when we met each other. Mm -hmm. So we had to have a conversation about that. Mm -hmm. I want to come back to that. I want you to keep going through the things that you would say define our relationship agreement, but I really want to come back to that, the why behind that. So brutal honesty, number one, what would you say is number two? What would you say is number two? Like, what does an agreement mean versus mm-hmm. like, uh, mm-hmm. is there a difference between like, is this like our core like principles or beliefs right. and yeah. agreement? What is yeah. like an agreement to me is like a contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like the things that well, we... Well, in essence, so yeah. So I would say something about we have an agreement that both of us are allowed to be attractive to other humans and attracted to other humans in so much as we, I would even go so far as to say that flirting is okay. We celebrate it. Yes. We celebrate that we're attractive to other people and that Mm -hmm. we find other people attractive. We Mm -hmm. celebrate it versus uh, keep it inside or shame it. Or um, turn it into like a jealous thing of like, what am I not providing versus like, oh, she's just an attractive woman or man that I saw at the grocery store. So we celebrate that. And it's so fun. And it's so much better than what I've experienced in the past where you have to keep that bottled. It's so fun. Yeah. You were uh, saying yesterday where it's like, uh, I'd go like to the grocery store. I was like, oh, hey. Hot guy on aisle six. <laughs> aisle six, hot dad, Lauren. Yeah. yeah. Hot dad, yeah, yeah. Hot dad on aisle six. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Because you know my type so well. Sure. And to me, again, I, I w- first I wanted to just go through these things. We can come back and unpack oh, them. And this needs to be said also. I think that we're in a we're in a monogamous relationship. Yeah. We don't. No. No, we're not. That's not. That's, no. That's one of our agreements where we're not fucking other people. That's kind of what I wanted to get to, right? So our agreement exists yeah. that. And so we'll come back to why you explored consensual non-monogamy. Our agreement exists that we can be attractive to and be attracted to other people in so much as it goes as far as flirting and maybe conversations. But no, there's no physical intimacy. There's no sexual intimacy. There's no shared. There's no intellectual intimacy. Yeah, at this we don't, at this stage. Yeah, we don't text other people or mm-hmm. no, we don't, no, we don't have pen pals. No. And so I think that it's... But the, but these are the harder things to talk about. So I want to. So yeah, I yeah, think those right. are the two biggest relationship agreements. And then also, we could throw into the if it's a soup pot, right? So we got brutal honesty. We've got this free to be attracted to and be attracted attractive to other people. Free to admire other people mm-hmm. and then celebrate like, like admiration. It's yeah. great. Yeah, I think we could throw in respect, honor, mm-hmm. um, care, nurturance. A protection, the protection, provision, support. These all seem like words we use on the daily. Sure. How can I support you daily? Um, you know, even when we discuss my mothering need to nurture, right, it comes from a place of protection and provision. So just checking in with that. Even when we're saying, no, thanks, don't need that right now, we, we still have the vocabulary. Yeah, and communication, communication say, an yeah. un- I wouldn't say unhealth, but like when we're not in the greatest place, like say a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. ago, what we talked about on this. So communication even, okay, communication with the goal of, you know, finding the resolution and then kind of falling back into each other's arms. Yeah. Right. Like communication above all. I think you and I both from our very different paths, 
very different paths, have seen how a lack of communication can destroy relationship. I would argue it can destroy partnership of all kinds, business partnerships, friendships oh, yeah. that are partnerships. Yeah, without communication, what, what do you even have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So if you're good with it, I'd love to backtrack brutal honesty, kind of where that came from. Our hike to Sharp Top is kind of what I'm thinking, where we had our brutally honest conversation. And you said, this is just where I am. I had done a lot of reading and research on consensual non-monogamy. And yeah, first and foremost, can you break down for listeners, viewers, what consensual non-monogamy is in your frame of reference? Jesus, I mean, it stems really like from communication. Mm-hmm. So you're clear and upfront with, say, if you have a partner, like a primary partner or secondary partners, that there is, uh, I mean, you, you see more than one person. Mm-hmm. So you're non-monogamous, you see, or polyamorous, you mm-hmm. see more than one person. And I, I could be screwing some of this up. Oh, you did a great job. You did a great job. And some do have primary partners and some choose not even to absorb that hierarchical stance. Some don't even like that term. Some use the term nesting partner. Mm-hmm. Some use the term anchor partner. Um, there's a wealth of information out there. So if listeners and viewers would like to know more, feel free to reach out. I can point you towards my colleagues who are experts in this field, not my expertise because there's already beautiful voices. But you had done a lot of work on it because of why. What led you to be like, there's got to be a different way. I haven't, I hadn't up to that point had a successful monogamous relationship. <laughs> Ding. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say the downfalls of some of those were? Uh, I dealt with in one partner alcoholism. In, in, a, in one relationship, I wasn't faithful. Mm-hmm. So I dealt with mm-hmm. uh, like knowing that I'm doing devious behavior, which I don't like, no. but I did. So those were the things like um, that. I think that was primarily it Mm. where Mm -hmm. I was a cheater. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah, it was fascinating because when we met October 26, 2019, almost three years ago, yeah, it was one of the very first things we talked about on our date and then on our weekend together after my conference. We brought it up and it was a term I was familiar with as well um, from a completely different vantage point. But I, at this point, had not started sexuality education like school. Um, So it was just like a baby newbie at some of this stuff. But the things that I enjoyed from listening to you at that point was really your grasp of a partner is not one's property, right? The the One of the most beautiful things about consensual non-monogamy is the understanding that every human being is autonomous and that their choices are reflective of them. And that it is just an illusion of control that monogamous couples have, right? I don't control you, you know, in our chosen monogamous partnership. I don't have any more power on you than a consensual non-monogamous thruple, quartet, anything has. No. And so what I so appreciated about you is that I could tell this is not a person who is ever going to try to possess me. Mm. This is not, I am free to be me. And then to use our word that we coined to going across the country, we're free to choose partnership. That's a whole different ballgame. 
when you are willingly choosing to be beside someone, that's powerful. When I wake up every day choosing you, this is what we were talking about last night when I was sharing with you some conversation that I have had with another heterosexual man. And people are shocked sometimes when I tell them about these conversations like, oh, well, he just wants to fuck you. Or, oh, I can't believe that it doesn't bother Trey that you talk to so-and-so. And And I always think in the back of my mind, well, that is because there would be consequences. If I chose to cheat on Trey, if I chose to be secretive, if I chose um, to cover up behavior, that's not okay. Not okay with us. We have chosen this type of partnership, right? We don't have currently a consensual non-monogamous partnership. We don't. So I would still be cheating even though you do give me freedom to chat with whoever I want to chat with and to share the conversations with you. And I just kept telling you, it is such a joy. It is from such a place of abundance that I come back to you always, that I wake up to you always. It's just, it's revolutionary in my little mind that came out of purity culture, that came out of possession, that came out of property. In purity culture, you're considered, a woman's considered property. Growing up, I always like to be clear from my experience, right? All I can speak from truly is my experience. And then, yes, I've done a ton of research. (laughs) But I was indoctrinated to believe that I belonged to my father, first and foremost, the church, and to God. And that at some point in my life, my father would transfer the ownership of my heart and my body to my husband. And so then I believed in May of 2007 when I was transferred to my father, to my husband, that then I was my husband's property, which the problem for this person, for my psyche, was that I sloughed all the responsibility for my well-being off onto my husband. Because I'm like, well, now I'm your property. Take care of me, please. And then it's really hard times when he can't. Um, and I hope to someday have ex-husband on this as podcast as a recording because we're all now really good friends. But I would love to hear his vantage point because he struggled with tremendous um, anxiety and depression following the death of my mother. And then he had this fully capable wife, but he was looking at him like, provide for me, take mm-hmm. care of me. Because I didn't know how to care for myself. I didn't, that it wasn't a part of, yeah, how I had been raised. And I think it did a true disservice, true disservice. And then it became real confusing when the sexual compatibility was obviously off. So, yeah, that was a struggle. But, yeah, I wanted you to talk about, and this is a great segue, as you mentioned this last night when we were kind of prepping for this episode, and I was like, I don't think I've ever heard that story, that one of the reasons why brutal honesty and then attraction, being free to be attracted to other people and others to be attracted to us is important to you is because you had a relationship where there was severe jealousy at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear about that. What was that experience like for you as a person in a male body? It was, it was a relationship where, uh, my partner at the time was just, it was, it was one of her, uh, defaults where she was extremely jealous and, um, she had been, she had had past trauma, uh, in a previous relationship where she was cheated on a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, there was just jealousy. So I, I dealt with, like, feelings of uh, jealousy 
I feel mm. like I'm being vague. Would any like specific yeah, did, or did she not trust you? Was there a lack of trust? Did she want to check your phone? Was she worried about where you were going? The phone thing happened a couple of times where it was uh, like my phone disappeared and she was in the bathroom going through, just scrolling through like text messages and things like that. And um, yeah, that happened once. Yeah, I, I think this is pretty common though. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Because I think it's very common. Uh, my biggest thing was like, hey, just ask. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to go through my phone, mm-hmm. ask. So. Well, you've always said that to me, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to start with unpacking that. Okay. Because the other day I saw a Instagram post that was like, these are all micro cheats. Like, oh. here's all the way your partner micro cheats yeah. and how to know if they're micro cheating. What were the examples? Talking to other people if they're they're like the ones that they're attracted to. So whatever gender they're talking, like those types of things, um, you know, smiling at people at restaurants who are serving you. Keep going. Uh um, Yeah. Seeing messages on your partner's phone from other people. My heart broke. This is why. This is why. Because what you just shared is so typical that your that partner at the time had trauma from a, a cheating partner. Yeah. There are wounds that exist 100% in this world. Sometimes we think that the solution to our wounds is controlling the behavior of another person. If I can control this enough, this won't happen to me again. Or if I can monitor this and like look for it. Uh, I can catch it before it really hurts me, which is understandable. But then are you always constantly looking for... And then another thing with this partner is, oh, we need to break up then. Whenever there was conflict, it was like, oh, we, we should break up then. And we actually went to therapy and the therapist said, you're going to create this. Like mm-hmm. you're, she said it to my partner, he goes, you're, if you continue saying this where the consequence is catastrophic where we always end the relationship when we have Mm -hmm. conflict that's going to happen and it did Mm -hmm. it did but she wanted out Mm -hmm. yeah she started drinking a bunch Mm. she started smoking cigarettes hiding like like openly or kind of like it was no it was like hiding it wasn't hiding Mm -hmm. it from me but it was it it was just all this kind of toxic Mm. and yeah i finally ended it Mm mm-hmm That brings up such a great point. So I talk with my clients all the time about so often we are petrified of how someone will respond to us when we communicate something. So we don't communicate in the first place, right? So we're so scared of the response from another person, typically partners, that we don't communicate in the first place. Or you know the response. You're not even scared of it, but you, mm-hmm. you, the response becomes predictable, and then you just you don't share those things mm-hmm. because it's it's not worth a fight. Right. I've had and, relationships like that mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, fuck, not mm-hmm. worth a fight. When we communicate, you and I had this experience with the Oriental rug. We realized that we needed to back up a little bit more. When we communicate needs, wants, and desires regardless of what the outcome is going to be. And then we look the outcome straight in the face. 
right? Whether it's a blow up, whether it's a yada yada. And then we go, okay, this is the outcome of me communicating my need, want, or desire. Now I have a decision to make. Now the responsibility remains on my shoulders. Did this person explode in my face? Okay, do I want to be in a partnership like that? No, that is not caring to me. I need to leave now with love and respect for that person because here's the clincher. The person that we're communicating to also gets to be an autonomous human being. They deserve it. They deserve it. So if they want to behave in that way, that's on them. Wonderful, right? So with human beings who have been cheated on, I, first of all, I'm very, I'm very sorry for anyone that has happened to. That is a breach of trust and it is the hardest in the world. But if that individual gets into a new partnership and then proceeds to try to control the new partner so as to avoid the same outcome, I would say that, yes, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, exactly what that therapist shared. And that an alternative would be to sit down and make a relationship agreement like we just talked about. These are the things that are okay with me. These are the things that are not okay. And if you cheat, I will need to leave because it is best for me. It is your choice. I respect your choice. I applaud you for making choices that will harm me and I cannot be a part of this relationship. Or, hey, I have trauma from the past and some of it stemmed from me not realizing that this person was texting with my partner all the time. And so I do have a little phone trauma. I want to be really upfront about that. How would you feel with every few weeks I do a phone to check in or you show me or you go through? It'll just calm my nervous system. But if you're not okay with that, I understand. I will take myself to another partner who is okay with that. That keeps the responsibility on our shoulders. Because trying to control another person is never actually going to work. Now, they can control themselves for your benefit, right? You and I are both choosing not to sleep with other people right now in our partnership. We are both choosing to be in this partnership. We are both choosing in these cases not to sleep with other people, right? You are not keeping me from sleeping with other people. I am keeping myself from sleeping with other people. I am responsible for my actions and you are responsible for your actions. Fascinating. When would two people getting into a relationship form a partnership agreement or start mm -hmm. talking about this? Mm -hmm. So you know, sometimes relationships begin accidentally. Sometimes they begin with casual dating and then it's like, whoops. I didn't think we were going to fall in love. Like a one-night stand? Like, whoops. Ours was just supposed to be a one-night stand in San Diego. That's all this was supposed to be was a good time. Thanks. <laughs> Spoiled my plans. I was supposed to have a good time in San Diego. Then maybe a nice time with our weekend after. And then I was supposed to fly back to Virginia. No biggie. Sometimes they come about because of that. Um, I would say whenever one of the parties is interested in moving to a more serious level of relationship, and it could be either or, um, maybe it happens at the same time. But if somebody is going to make a change to their life, if someone is interested in making a change to their life, yeah, I, I think that sometimes we seek to label things just for our comfort. And so I think a good check in with oneself to be like, am I trying to label this? Did we come in pretty clearly already saying this was just going to be casual? But nobody should ever fear clarifying 
That's one of our questions. That's one of our phrases. Can I clarify? Can I clarify something? And yeah. And at any stage. Would you recommend, would you recommend bringing this up on a first date? Ooh, it could be a fun qualified, disqualify to use your words. Mm -hmm. How much work have they done? Because if you are a survivor of something like what I experienced, my purity culture world, and you don't ever care to be property again. Sure. Bring it up. Okay. Right? What are because you could even talk in first dates are so fun because you might not ever see this person again. So you could hear about some of their favorite relationships. You could hear about what their parents' marriage looked like. Ask me. Okay. Is this something to bring up on a first date? Fuck no. Why? Do not bring this up on a first date. <laughs> you need to go out on a first date with no expectations and you need to have fun. So you need to learn about the person but not their insecurities. Or don't ask about their insecurities. If it naturally goes there, okay. But as a man, you actually need to change the subject and just get back to making sure like fun, light things, getting to know the person. Not talking about a relationship agreement. No, I don't mean that. You don't mean the thing we were just talking about, baby? You know what? <laughs> I don't mean you should, I don't mean you should sit down and be like, This is these are my expectations li- <laughs> no, for good, a life you. together with you. <laughs> What's your last name again? <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. Although I did background check you for my second date with you. Yeah, it's because we were going to it doesn't count. <laughs> You're spending two days together. It's true. In Carl's bed. That true. doesn't count. I meant, thank you for clarifying. I didn't mean get into the nitty gritty of relationships. I do mean that sometimes it's okay to do some, um, like, some reconnaissance work on. It needs to be veiled, though. Like, if you want to do reconnaissance work mm-hmm. on, say, the first or the second date, it needs to be veiled, and then you need to do it by, like, asking questions. But, but it could I be did a big reconnaissance on you. It could be a. I absolutely did. Sure, yeah. But it could be a big disqualifier uh, based on how you phrase it. Mm-hmm. Or based on how you, like, oh, I've been I've been cheated on in the past. So I'm going to need to like look at your phone on a <laughs> well, weekly basis if we're going to move forward with our third date. Mm-hmm. That's probably not a good idea to say if you're anyone. True. 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 Yeah i I hear you. I hear that it would have been a disqualifier for you, and i I applaud individuals looking for quote unquote healthy people. I also applaud individuals knowing their weaknesses and not hiding them. So I want to be very clear that we're not saying to hide who you are. What do they say? You can hide who you are for like the first 90 days. So in a relationship, in a business relationship, you can hide who you are Mm -hmm. for the first 90 days, but then it comes out. No, I like that. Yeah. I think it's very true. If you're really good, you can hide for 90 days. So, okay. Really good, but usually... But let's talk about this. Is it necessarily a red flag if someone says, hey, I know myself. These are the wounds that I know. This is how I care for myself. Like When the timing is, the timing would be the the thing. I I think that's actually very healthy and like a wonderful way to communicate. But you know what? Like if you were to phrase it like that, that's just a a wonderful expert level means of communication. Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody has those tools. Right. Most people speak in terms of like, negatives and positives versus like hey take it or leave it and that's what i'm saying i think it's a take it or leave it i think it's a i know myself yeah here we are in date three yeah if you're interested in going for further uh-huh. right this is a good time if we just want to keep casually dating yeah. and we're all seeing other people 
fine. But if we're interested, if we're a monogamous people, if we are interested in pursuing more of a relationship together. And it depends on the two people's level of attraction, attraction. toward each other, too. Yeah, great. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. I just, sure, sure. I just don't ever want a listener or viewer to think that those with trauma don't deserve beautiful, healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Because, boy, do I have trauma. We all have trauma, though. Right. We all have trauma. Exactly. So that's what I wanted to get at is that no one should ever feel a need to hide who they truly are because you're exactly right. It's going to come out in 90 days anyway. Everyone should feel celebrated to know their strengths and weaknesses and to be okay with them almost, right? To say, hey, you can take it or leave it because there will be a partner or partners out there who are okay with these things. Would you say take it or leave it is one of our core like relationship mm. agreements? <laughs> yeah, it might be. I think one of our core relationship agreements is uh, date each other every day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then date each other where we don't get to kick our feet up and say, hey, we got this like relationship thing like down pat. No. You know, um, uh, keep ourselves in really good shape mentally, physically. Mm-hmm. Stick to our uh, missions and purposes. Mm-hmm. Drive. I'd say that's a big relationship agreement. Mm-hmm. Anything else? You already said communication. Help. Help's a big Mm -hmm. one. Check-ins are a big one. Mm -hmm. How can I support you? Checking in. Do you need any help with anything? Mm -hmm. Those are always wonderful words. And I think every couple has their own words that mean a lot to them. Mm -hmm. So I hope listener and viewers take this and they're like, oh, well, we don't care about that one. But, oh, they didn't mention this. We care about this. That's what's so fun about a relationship agreement conversation. One of our words that we've done recently is seeking clarity. Where, hey, just seeking clarity means I just need more information on this. Like there's no kind of – I just need objective information on this, seeking clarity, Mm -hmm. which is nice where it's almost like a safe space. Mm -hmm. Seeking clarity. We even did it the other day. Somebody invited us over for dinner on a Sunday, and you had said – I think we had said evening and then they came back with, Oh, well, what about two or three? Mm-hmm. And instead of me being scared, well, he already said like no Sunday and now I'm going to come back and ask again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just threw in the text like, Hey, seeking clarity. Mm-hmm. They've now asked about two to three is all of Sunday out or is this time frame fine mm-hmm. too? There definitely was fear in me that I would get thrown back into my face. This is an example of not communicating something. Oh, or it's like, I already said this, or it's like, hey, what the fuck? It's growing up, right? Like, I had to say these words Mm -hmm. when I would ask my parents. I can be a real curmudgeon, though. You can be a gotropotamus. You already answered this question. But literally, if I came back a second time to my parents, I had to say, may I appeal? So. Like, it's a court of law? Childhood wounds. Okay. So for me, coming back and asking something a second time, it's really great to have our phrase, seeking clarification, or can I clarify? Mm -hmm. Because then that's code to you of she's not trying to be manipulative, get her way, ask a different way. Mm -hmm. I was truly seeking clarification and had deserved to get to ask those questions without, yeah, upsetting the the dragon, which you can be a curmudgeon sometimes. Yeah, I can be a real graphopotamus. You you can. It's one of my favorite things. And then I just I responded by being like, hey, like Sundays. Sundays. And then I uh then I kind of went into an explanation where it's like, uh it's really good for like Sundays for me to have the entire day so Mm -hmm. I can 
get ahead of my week, if I don't get ahead on Sundays, if I don't write, if I don't uh, catch up with the house stuff, if I don't set myself up really well on a Sunday, it it fucks up the rest of my week where I'm so, uh, I can glide Mm -hmm. so much more easily through my week if I can really game plan on Sundays. Yep. I love it about you. So it was really nice. Thank you for, you did, you clarified more than even I was expecting and I just, it, it, then it gave me more ways to support you too, yeah, which is just you. really cool. Thank you. Let's close out by talking about this concept of allowing there to be within our relationship room for us to find others attractive mm-hmm. and others to find us attractive without it threatening us sure. or making us feel jealous. How do we, in your mind, make this work in our relationship? And when did that, when did this start? I think it's just a celebration. Mm-hmm. It's a celebration that you you celebrate that I take care of myself where to the point where other people find me attractive, hopefully, mm-hmm. or or other women like give me glances. And then you kind of, you point that out and we get to celebrate it together where it's like, it, it's just like a neat thing where it's like, Trey, she thinks you're hot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's fun. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's like, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. We're not swingers. No. <laughs> so we're not. But it, it's sorry to disappoint anyone who's like, oh, is that, are we getting juicy information? No. No. Uh-uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. I have to work out after this, and then <laughs> go to the cleaners. I have no. to get dry needled. Yeah. Um, and then you get the same thing. Yeah. Where it's just like. It, you know what it is? I want to celebrate that my partner is gorgeous mm. inside and outside. Mm. And that makes me feel good that other men and women recognize that. Mm-hmm. And you're not my property. Mm-hmm. And I have to date you and take care of you on a daily basis. And that's a two-way street. Or you got to do the same for me because we choose partnership every day. Because the opposite of that would be if I were to start being manipulated or lied to, or if you were to go down some spiral that you're not trying to work yourself out of, we'd have to reassess. And that's a two-way street. I think one of the scariest seasons of my life was when I felt there was no way out, right? It was divorce is not an option, and I was stuck in a partnership to a now happily gay man, but who was not out at all, who was addicted to substances, and there was no sexual contact, there was no provision of relationship. And I felt utterly trapped. I was even conditioned to believe that I could not even share these things with other people. When it did start to come out years later, people would just say, I didn't know. I didn't know. Why didn't you tell me? I literally have books on this shelf behind me that I could show folks where it says marital problems are not to be shared with other people. Those are between you and your husband. And I have never felt smaller, 
more trapped, more unattractive, more useless, more depressed, more scared every day. Um, and I was doing everything. I, I was doing everything. I was counting every calorie that went into my body. I was up at the crack of dawn. I was cleaning my house till it, with a toothbrush and bleach on my tile floors. I was parenting. I was trying to love on my community. I was trying to love on my husband. Darkest days of my life. Um, but everything was fine, like on Facebook and Instagram. So fine. Being trapped is very scary. Uh, and most of the times now we're trapped in our minds where this is a stoic philosophy, but we suffer, we tend to suffer more in our mm -hmm. imaginations. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting where your whole day was filled with actions. Mm -hmm. You had to fill your day with actions. Mm -hmm. You didn't go to the bottle. You didn't go to pills. You didn't. Go cheat, but you had to fill your day with actions. Interesting. Yeah. Versus so. sink in and like watch TV and, uh, and even like uh, food, food can be used as a Con drug too. Control you became didn't go to a drug. no control became my addiction, and I. Yeah, I just remember as folks found out and you know counseling came into the picture and then antidepressants came into the picture and I was able to take action folks telling me oh my goodness no no no, no. divorce is always an option <laughs> like untrapped yeah you are choosing i remember my counselor looking i was me trapped in the, eyes. the divorces i'm i have to spend my life doing this mm -hmm. this is my life now mm -hmm. versus like no you can just say no and mm -hmm. separate great yeah i remember my therapist looking me in the eyes and say lauren you're choosing to be there and me going what was I, that a big? Uh, it was like my mind exploded. Because in my mind, I didn't have choice. Yes, it was suffering my mind. I think that actually, I was property. I was, I had chosen marriage. And so when you choose marriage, that's what you do. Time to sacrifice. Yeah. So. Are we, do we sacrifice in our relationship, honey? We've talked about this a couple of times, right? Because. I don't. Is this a is this a sacrifice? A sacrifice. Like you being relationship? With me? No, not right now. You and I have talked about this a couple of times because I do think that there are so many times in life where we we do we are called upon to kind of like hold up another. Right. That's yeah. one of the beauties of partnership is that you can kind of be there to be like, I gotcha, I gotcha. You can do this hard thing. Um. And there's also katak catastrophes that we can't possibly envision, right? I could get hit by a bus today. And then would you desert me? Right? So there's not a lot of sacrifice right now. How but, bad did you get hit? But you might get called on to sacrifice at 4 p.m. when that bus hits me. I think for me, the concept of choosing whether or not one is in, in partnership with one another. Choice. We choose. Mm -hmm. We don't sacrifice, but we choose. Mm -hmm. We don't gut out really hard things that bother us. Mm -hmm. We communicate those things. Mm -hmm. And then we choose to get back to a mm -hmm. equilibrium of happiness right. and contentment. Yeah. 
I don't do I don't think I sacrifice mm. in my life. I make choices. Mm. I, love that. I don't I don't want to be I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to I, I maybe fucking hate that word. Huh. Does it sound close to like martyrdom to you? Yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah. To me too. There's a lot of issues that I have yeah. with organized religion. Uh, There's a lot sad. of issues that I have, and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating because in Betty Martin's Wheel of Consent, one of the quadrants is service, right? And the other person accepting that which we serve with. Sure. That is beautiful because the action is begun by the person accepting the gift. They say, will you do this for me? Mm -hmm. And then the person in service says, oh, yeah, I will, if that feels good in their body, right? Like, yeah, I'd love to serve you in that way. It's like when you and I say to each other, how can I support you? That's what it is. Will you do this for me? Yeah, would love to do this for you, right? Last night I came down and said, how can I support you? You said, could you fill up this glass with water? And I said, yeah, I'd love to, (laughs) right? I had offered my service to you. That was not a sacrifice. You didn't yell up at me. Babe, bring me water, right? Mm-hmm. I, I asked, how can I serve you? Not sacrificial, it's service. And I choose to do it. That was, that's the big clincher. Betty Dodson says the first principle of pleasure is freedom of personal choice. The first principle of pleasure is the freedom of personal choice. That without choice, all pleasure is almost off the table. Which then leads to how much liberation this country needs, right? How much oppression we still have. It, you could get real deep with that. We were talking last night about the rule, the concept that women were never allowed to be alone with men because of fear that they would be sexually promiscuous. That's um, wild. That And so it denied a- me... Can I finish for a second? Uh, No, that it denied me opportunities because I was this driven at 13 years old. I had such huge dreams um, and yet I was considered a temptress and would be a stumbling block and so was not allowed in rooms with single men. And so for you to say, baby, you be the brilliant, sexy mind that you are and if that puts you in rooms, on airplanes, with single men, single accomplished men who want to network with you and work with you and make deals with you and build things with you, do it. And come back to me because that's our relationship agreement. But do it. And if you make a choice to go fuck some man, that's on you, babe. But I'm going to trust that you won't because I believe that you can be all you are and exist in those spaces. And you're not stupid. You know how to qualify and unqualify people. People show their cards. Mm-hmm. You know how to read that. People show their intentions. Go, yeah, go. Go be successful. And I think I was actually talking with a friend about this two days ago. She was really feeling her sacral sensual power. And she was saying, like, I don't know what to do with this. Everywhere I go. She lives in Manhattan. She's like, it's just like I'm on fire. I can feel the attraction of men. Um, and I said, oh, my goodness, use it. Like, are there any any deals you need to make right now? Any business moves you need to make? That is part of our feminine power. 
and I know it scares the shit out of a lot of men. I know that it frightens a lot of men because in fact, when we are in that power, it's more powerful than anything in the world because it gives life, right? It is our, it is like this uterus life force. Like we can make people, right? We can make people, you can gestate. We've talked about this sometimes that you can like inject an idea into me, right? Through the seed. And then I can literally create something new. And that power is inherently scary. It is why women have been burned to the stake. It is why women have been silenced for ages because it's scary. It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It's because you can feel almost like succumb to it. Um, And so I was telling this friend, we have been taught to fear it as women. We've been taught to shy away from it. And I said, instead, just bask in it. Mm. Just bask in it. She said, oh, well, but more than my partner are feeling this energy, I know. And I said, it's okay, right? You you have choice. You have autonomy of choice of whether or not you like go sleep with that guy in the corner. You can just feel the power. And it's okay for it to feel strong and feel good and feel sensual. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And the most beautiful of men will celebrate it too. And they'll say, hey, that's my partner. And you see that in me. And it's never scared you. In fact, you've you've just said, be more. I see it, be more. Yeah, that, more. Um, and I always feel so proud to be on your arm. And I always want you to feel so proud to be on my arm when we walk in someplace. Of the work that I do is my responsibility, right? The, the way I harness my sensuality, my responsibility, the way you harness your masculine and feminine energies, your responsibility, not my job, not my job. My job is to date you, to support you, to love you, to applaud you, to allow you to become everything you want to be. Um, not to control you. Thank you. That's a hot cast. That's how you podcast. <laughs> the opinions expressed on this podcast are just that opinions. We encourage you to take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that our stories and experiences help you build the partnerships of your dreams. So I like to take a little minute just at the end of these podcasts to talk about the platform that we use for our podcasts called Anchor. When we were first getting into the scene of podcasting, I didn't know much, but did a simple Google search um, and found that by just uploading one high-res video to Anchor's platform, it does the rest of the work for me, pushes out the audio and video to every platform podcast users use. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And I'd love to tell you more about Anchor.